Welcome to the Daily Objective, episode uh, more than 500. And uh, today we are talking about um, the incident a few weeks ago when uh, a, a, let's call it journalist uh, for the, uh, you know, Qatari dictatorship's propaganda network, Al Jazeera, uh, was shot in, in a, a shootout between uh, Israel and uh, the Palestinians, some Palestinian terrorist organization. She was shot and killed. Um, there was uh, some talk of an investigation. There is an investigation being done by the Palestinians. They refuse to let Israel uh, take part in that. Uh, and there's, uh, of course, the Palestinians immediately, immediately blamed Israel, as did some of their uh, mouthpieces, uh, like Jeremy Corbyn, who almost became prime minister of this country, and some other particularly vile people around the world. But uh, the point of that, you know, the, the point of, uh, you know, as, as James and I were saying uh, before we, we went live, and as I saw uh, Robert allude to in the chat, uh, it doesn't matter who actually uh, pulled the trigger and shot the bullet that, that hit her. Uh, the people to blame are the Palestinians. There would be no violence uh, in the Middle East between the Palestinians and Israel were it not for the Palestinians' choice to uh, constantly have that violence. Uh, that, is a, uh, you know, that is a Palestinian creation. It, they created it, they are keeping it alive, and um, they are to blame, which is pretty much all I had to say for this episode. So luckily, I'm joined by James Valiant, who hopefully can fill <laughs> the next 18 minutes uh, with more <laughs> on this topic. Well, hi. Well, you know, you make a really good point. Journalists die all the time in war zones. Uh, journalists have been shot and badly injured and even killed. Um, you know, uh, a Fox uh, film crew, for example, one, one person was shot and Benjamin Hall was badly injured. And that was the not the only time in Ukraine where journalists have been shot or killed. And that's going to happen in a war zone. It happens all the time. And so the question, uh, let me ask in the abstract, hypothetically, if a journalist uh, were shot in uh, Ukraine today, whose fault would it be? And would it matter whether it was a Ukrainian resistance bullet or a Russian invader bullet? It wouldn't to me. It would be Russia's responsibility. Russia is to blame for the violence in Ukraine. So every journalist who gets killed or shot in Ukraine, whether it's from a Ukrainian resistance fighters bullet or a Russian uh, missile or bullet, doesn't matter morally to the question. Um, journalists put themselves intentionally in order to cover these things in harm's way. You also point out a, a vital fact here. She was an Al Jazeera reporter. We all know the perspective of Al Jazeera. We all know their sympathies. She was a well-known, uh, you know, she's a female journalist. But even there, the idea that Israeli armed forces would be targeting journalists, which was immediately the accusation, it would seem to me would require a lot more evidence than we've yet had presented to us. And yet that's the assumption of so many of these violent voices, you know, and it's international voices from across the world that are jumping in, as you point out, to take a side with a knee-jerk anti-Israel reaction, uh, assuming, for example, that journalists would be targets of, you know, the evil uh, Israeli armed forces. Well, that's just an anti-Israeli uh, knee-jerk reaction that as yet has no data to back it. Okay, let's find out where the bullet came from. Uh, let's do an investigation even within the Israeli armed forces. But I find it improbable 
that is the Israeli armed forces would be targeting a journalist. And of course, more recently was the the outrage over the funeral. Uh, when her funeral was occurring, um, the, the more violence started, and it started from the procession. It started from the Palestinians who had a Palestinian flag on the hearse, and uh, they were throwing James, rocks before, at cops, from what I understand. Before we get to the funeral, I wanted to, uh, I had another point about this, and I also wanted to read Robert's uh, super chat because he's quoting, I believe this is Netanyahu, but I'm not sure. Robert, if you know who's, who uh, this quote comes from, let me know. Uh, if the Palestinians simply laid down their arms, there, there would be no more war. If the Israelis laid down their arms, there would be no more Israel which is oh, uh, brilliantly put. True. How, yeah. how pithy is that? Brilliantly put. That's exactly it. How For decades now, the Palestinians could have had peace with Israel. They refuse to recognize Israel's right to exist. They demand on wiping Israel off the map, along with their uh, Iranian uh, supporters and suppliers and so forth. Uh, they could have had peace decades ago. They continue the violence. It's insane. At this point, frankly, as I've said to you more than on more than one occasion, given the amount of violence that continues to come against innocent Israelis all the time from Gaza, which could have had peace decades ago, it seems to me Israel could flatten Gaza perfectly morally in my in my view. I know this happened on the West Bank and even there, it seems to me that the uh, Israelis are the ones who, as you point out, Robert, so eloquently, if the Israelis stopped using force, Israel would be no more. Israel would be no more. Uh, you know, the Palestinians could stop using force and they could have peace tomorrow. And that would increase, they could have prosperity. They would have trade. Their friends would come in and help them. But no, the condition, the humanitarian condition that these international voices are constantly complaining about is the Palestinians' own fault. Yeah, by the way, Robert uh, is an eloquent guy, but this quote is, uh, as he confirms from Netanyahu, uh, so he can't take the credit for the quote. <laughs> he can take the credit for the super chat, which is uh, just yes. as important, not more. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, I the eloquence uh, of Netanyahu. Yes, okay. Yeah, I mean, if Netanyahu was only as uh, good uh, a leader as he was a speaker, then uh, th also there might not be no more war. Um, uh, you made a point about you know journalists uh, put themselves in harm's way, which of course is true, uh, in, especially in war. Uh, but Palestinians put journalists and civilians uh and uh, you know in harm's way you know children before, women and children in harm's way as covers actually with you know the palestinians actually you know benefit in a way from deaths of innocence because uh the the way the west is we uh, you know uh, and by we i mean the popular views in the culture uh tend to side with the underdog no matter what and if you show that children and women have died. And if you show that a, um, a building, an apartment building was uh, flattened, then it, the context doesn't matter. It's, uh, you know, uh, Leonard Peikoff once said, a picture is not an argument. Well, in public discourse today, only a picture is an argument. Only a and, picture is an argument. Show and, me the picture of the dead body as if that solves, answers the moral question, which it does not by any means. And the, the worst thing is, is that we know they use civilians as shields. They use hospitals and residential areas to shield their violent activity, to shield their weapons, to shield their terrorist leaders. We know that. So again, not only is the all you know the wider 
context of violence, the fault of the Palestinians and their friends, but even in the specific cases of civilians getting harmed. They are using their own civilians for this international PR war, obviously. Uh, yeah, and, and a great example of that. After the, the issue with uh, the journalist being shot, which, you know, to their credit, if we can say that, uh, I think, you know, people mainstream kind of realized uh, we don't actually know who shot um, the journalist. It's, you know, it's not that much to their credit because nobody made the point that it doesn't matter who, who shot her. But, uh, you know, and, and again, you know, the Jeremy Corbyns of the world will side with them the Palestinians and with any of the worst people uh, uh, on the planet, no matter what. But I think in, in mainstream, it was not as uh, as one sided. But after the funeral, it was very one sided. And uh, you know, change. we were the whole perspective and the American press on it, too. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 the American president. And we were quoting uh, Peacock. We can also quote Rand when we uh, talk about a selective recreation of reality. I mean, I think that the, the video, that one video from the funeral where you do see Israeli police beating up uh, the pallbearers, that's all the world saw. I uh, went on a little rant about some journalist on, on Twitter. You can uh, follow me at Razi Ginsburg and, and see me. Uh, that was Soledad O'Brien, who was, uh, I, I remember her as not so good, but uh, this, was, this was particularly alarming. The fact that people get away with looking at this short clip and uh you know basically knowing all they need to know the, the evil israelis are beating up the innocent palestinians as they're carrying a body of a, a journalist who was shot and um yeah it's it's my understanding is there's really not no dispute that it was the funeral processioners who started the violence by throwing rocks at the police who were simply there to maintain peace and order initially at least so the violence started and the police responded with batons. They didn't respond with deadly force. Um, they responded with batons. Now you're right, there's this clip uh, and it's, you know, talk about an appeal to emotion, right? One of the pallbearers falls, you know, it looks like he's being hit with a baton. He falls, the coffin looks like it's almost gonna hit the ground. Oh, what disrespect. And then it looks like a Palestinian flag is being ripped off the hearse. That one little clip. I think has done more to sh shape the people's attitudes than anything else without putting it into the wider context. It is the procession, it is the funeral procession that initiated the force and the violence by throwing rocks at the police. They, the context was already there. They were convinced that this uh, Al Jazeera journalist had been intentionally targeted. And of course, we all know about the evil <laughs> Israeli government. So in their mind, that's all that they needed to do. I mean, just this funeral was enough to justify throwing rocks at cops. In my country, there's a similar sort of narrative that goes on when there's police violence. The press and a lot of people on the left will immediately, in a knee-jerk reaction, before any of the facts come, come out, they will focus on one little aspect of it and see police brutality, police excessive force. And of course, if there, if there is an idea of police excessive force, it's racism. If they can possibly say racism, they can say racism, even if there's no evidence. And long before facts come out, and many, many times, I'm not saying there isn't police excessive force, there, there, there is, there's no question about it, but it's grossly exaggerated, grossly exaggerated. But every time a new story comes out, boom, that's the instant knee-jerk reaction. We know it was excessive force by the police. We know it was racism. Um, 
<clears throat> people should wait. People should wait to find the facts. People should calm down and rather than make assumptions, especially when they're dramatic assumptions that can lead to more mob violence, they should calm down and they should wait for the facts. It seems, as I say, uh, somewhat bizarre and unlikely to me that the Israeli armed forces would even target a journalist. Uh, uh, but as we said, the very first point we made, the violence as such is the responsibility of all this violence is the result of the Palestinians' own doing, um, frankly. And even when it comes to that funeral procession, I want to know what was going on at that moment before and after, and I want the wider context. And until we have that investigation completed, um, and frankly, I'm going to trust the Israeli investigation more than I'm going to trust the Palestinian investigation. I guess that's a, a dead giveaway as to who I think is more credible on this topic, uh, if, if only marginally so. But the point is that I just find it bizarre. The, the immediate assumption is, yes, the Israelis targeted this journalist. And yes, of course, they wanted to go out of their way to attack a pallbearer who was holding a coffin so that they could create this PR nightmare for Israel? No, that just doesn't make sense to me. And so I think we all need to take a deep breath and uh, wait for the investigation. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, as mentioned, like there, there is more facts. There are more facts out there uh, that we know just from, just from the video. We do have other videos of the Palestinians attacking the police. But um, yeah, the facts, the facts do get in, in the way generally, not just in this case of uh, the, the so-called Palestinian cause. So uh, the, the fact that they're not uh, super pro-facts is not surprising. Uh, a few things from uh, a few things from uh, the members in the chat. So Bonnie um, says that in Dearborn, Michigan, uh, Instagram headline, um, it said, American reporting for Al Jazeera killed by Israeli soldiers with no proof whatsoever, of course, uh, because proof wasn't possible at this point. This is from the 11th of May. Um, wow. Yeah, and Robert... The um, assumption is automatically the Israelis are the ones who did it, and <laughs> with the implication they were targeting uh, her. Uh, it's, that's insane. I mean, ridiculous. <laughs> Good point, Bonnie. Yeah, yeah, and Robert points out that um, it's the most uh, densely Arab American populated city in the uh, in the U.S. So I, from what I know, and this is uh, it's not much, uh, but from what I know about the Arab American population, they are not um, at least historically we're not anti-Israel. Like for example, the the uh, Arab population in Europe. So uh, I think it, it is very much. Um, Generally speaking, the the Arab immigrants in the U.S. are people who came to the U.S. to uh, you know make their lives better and realize it's a, it's a better place. Yes, I have known lots of Arab Muslims in this country and who are wonderful people. I, mean, I have nothing. You know, obviously, I think they're wrong about their religion. Uh, you know, my opinion about religion in general, but. Uh, you're right. I think that um, America, American immigration, sort of selects. Uh, and uh, sort of filters out for the the better ones. In most cases, there are there are cases where um, I am concerned <laughs> about uh, <clears throat> uh, the people we sometimes let in uh, without doing. I mean, I'm a, in favor of open immigration, um, generally speaking. Uh, but I think the U.S. government has every right to screen for terrorists, unsuspected terrorists, and I'm not sure <laughs> that we always do that. <clears throat> 
Uh, Daniel also points out a headline that he just saw in the Onion. Uh, Nation demands everything will be explained in one picture. I think that demand has uh, generally been uh, been met. Um, Christopher says in the regular chat, my theory uh, for Israel in terms of PR is to show the world what's going on. Cameras on IDF soldiers. It'll get messy, but people will uh, see quickly, in my opinion. I, I disagree with that. I think the problem is um, not uh, so much knowing what's going on. Uh, it is it, it is the, the philosophy that is underlying everything. So, um, you know, again, pictures exist and videos exist uh, that, um, you know, that, that show the, uh, the the Israeli side of things. Uh, well, you, you can be selective with pictures and videos uh, that you choose to believe, and that and that uh, your your selection will be based on your metaphysical value judgments. Let's uh, be that that's it. I I I think you're absolutely right. The wider philosophical issue actually decides this, um, and uh, pictures I think are, can be misused uh, badly, as you know. But one thing I will give, uh, one corner I'll give him on, on that is that in Western media, when violence happens uh, against Israel, against Israeli civilians, that does not get covered the same way that violence uh, of this kind is. Um, and it's just not fair. It is, it's a very one-sided sort of presentation and in, in, frankly, in international media of uh, you know, we don't focus on the violence that, for example, that comes from Gaza routinely. Um, and uh, that's downplayed. You hear about it, but it's on page 18 or something like this, page one. Um, that's a that is a reality too. Uh, a couple of other things from the uh, members chat. And yeah, I have to thank not only you, James, but the members, because I did say two minutes into the show that I'm, I have nothing more to say. So luckily I can just read uh, other people's words. So uh, Robert says, uh, true Razi, most of my cousins in Dearborn, cousins in uh, quotation mark, uh, are perfectly reasonable. It's simply the mass, a tiny percentage of a large population that gives us more radicals uh, than most places. And Bonnie gives another headline from uh, Dearborn. Video shows Israeli apartheid police interrupted the funeral procession uh, of beloved Palestinian American journalist Shireen Abu Akleh and uh, began literally beating the people. That is that like a newspaper no, or is that somebody on those? <laughs> well, All the right. comparison yeah, to South African apartheid is bizarre. It is grossly unjust. It's you know uh, there. <laughs> I'm sorry if I'm laughing at a, a grim situation, but think about that for a second. The South African government, in total charge of what was going on in South Africa, enforced racial apartheid for years, for years. That is not what's going on in the West Bank or Gaza at all. The Palestinians could have had peace decades ago, peace decades ago. And frankly, Israel is the one trying to seek peace with all of its neighbors, maybe a little too eagerly in my mind, but they're trying, they're the ones trying to find peace uh, in their region. Uh, to compare it to apartheid already, I mean, just from the outset, that tells you they're biased, that tells you they're not thinking objectively about this at all. 
Uh, I want to make a couple of points. By the way, just uh, one important note is this show is not sponsored by the Dearborn Tourism Board. So, uh, you know, if, if you've <laughs> been convinced to, to go there on your next trip, that's uh, that's on you. Um, also, uh, as you know, YouTube members who are active in the chat uh, now, I see, and, uh, you know, there are YouTube members who might watch this later. As you know, we've launched a Discord channel, I believe it's called, and every video has its own conversation. I, I need to get, uh, you know, I, I need to learn the Discord terminology. <laughs> I haven't yet. But yeah, you can discuss this show and any show on this channel on Discord in its own thread. Um, and uh, of course, that is if you are a uh, member of the YouTube channel, or if you are a an ARC UK member at the gold level or above. Um, next Tuesday, so today we have the London Einrad meetup starting in 39 minutes here in London, but next Tuesday in London, we will have an in-person launch party for the Fountainhead Book Club, which launched yesterday. And uh, we had a two hour discussion yesterday. We'll have another two hour discussion, hybrid discussion next Tuesday. That's four hours to discuss just chapter one. We've tried to calculate uh, I think we, uh, if we go at this pace, it'll take us nearly two and a half years to go through the fountainhead, but I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm had, okay with that too. Every second would be worth it. <laughs> yeah, and we had Shoshana Milgram and Lisa Van Dam yesterday. They will be uh, there from time to time, not every every week. Uh, other objectivist intellectuals will be there from time to time. And uh, it's, uh, by the way, if you're a member and you weren't there yesterday, you have access to that video. If you're a YouTube member, you also uh, have or will have access to that video, uh, but not for every video uh, going forward. So you have to uh, already have, I, I'm told. But yeah, uh, you will have to join to uh, uh, get uh, access to the live sessions and to the recordings um, moving forward. Uh, okay, we have a um, super chat from Mary Aline. Thanks for your comments and analysis. I'm pro-Israel, but I haven't kept up with this issue. Um, Okay, we, we have more comments, uh, which you can read in the live chat. I, I uh, will say just that uh, what we have coming up today is at 10 p.m. UK time, 5 Eastern. Um, cutting Edge with Lee Pearson and special guest Ed Thompson on uh, educating education by making it conceptual. That's 10 p.m. UK time. And once that's over around 11 UK time, 6 Eastern, uh, there will be the uh, clubhouse after show of that show. So thank you, James, for joining me. Uh, and uh, I'll see you again soon. Bye. Thank you.